Welcome to Direct to Audio Movie Discussions Podcast. My name is Spencer, and it's my birthday month still, and this is my birthday week. And for my birthday week, it was only appropriate to give myself the greatest gift of all, which is one, having one of my favorite guests and one of my closest friends on the podcast, Liz. Hello. Hi, Spencer. And Liz, you are... (laughs) <laughs> One of the biggest horror fans that I know. Yes. And we could go on, we have gone on long tangents about the horror genre, classic horror movies. And what stunned me was that you had never seen my favorite movie, <laughs> John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror classic with a capital C the thing yeah so i know that like i'm like oh i love horror movies and people like you haven't seen the thing like how can you love horror and not see the thing in my defense i remember seeing a clip of it as a child and it scared me so bad that i've stayed away since i'm going to guess (laughs) in my head what that is and then once we get to like the spoilery part of this i'm going to guess which one it is yeah but yeah i feel like this is one though i will say that I think true horror fans recognize. I think people who casually know horror, they might know of it because it also is like science fiction. Uh, But mostly with like people who casually know horror, they know like the franchises. They know Michael, they know Jason, Freddy, Chucky. We kind of talked about this literally before the podcast started. Yeah. uh, When we were talking about uh, Morgan and Jamie's journey through uh, horror movies. And I'm going to say this story on the pod real quick. So they came over for Friday the 13th because uh, since I showed them that franchise, they've been uh, big fans of it. And they came over and we were talking about what they've been watching. And I was saying I was watching a lot of the uh, upcoming uh, Oscar movies and uh, Golden Globe movies and things because I'm prepping for our episode, Liz. And um, they said they just started watching the Chucky franchise, which is a great franchise and one that I really enjoy. Um, What are your thoughts on Chucky? I I do like Chucky a lot. Um... I definitely like the first one. The second one's good. I haven't seen the later ones like uh, Cult of Chucky or anything yeah, like Cult that. Yeah, Cult Curse, yeah. Yes, I haven't seen those, but I watched a lot of the earlier stuff. And then Tiffany, I love Tiffany. Tiffany Valentine's the oh, best. Oh, God, she's so awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I do like it. It's not like my top favorite, no. but it's like, you know, I, I do enjoy them. I, I can appreciate Don Mancini and like how he has stayed true to his vision the entire time, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I like seeing – I think it's the only franchise – that has had like the same voice behind it the entire time i think west dropped out for a little bit and even with like hellraiser clive barker kind of stepped away for a little bit and then obviously there's been the whole debate with john carpenter and halloween how he didn't want to do the rest of those but you kind of you did also have um some other people behind it uh but yeah i feel like that's it's cool to see someone have creative control over all of it for the good and the bad. I mean, obviously we've all seen seed of Chucky, um, <laughs> but they then mentioned to me that it was between Chucky and Hellraiser, uh, which uh, <sighs> friend of the pod, David, that's one of his favorite horror movies. And we were almost going to talk about that last spooky season, but we chose oh, Cabin nice. in the woods instead. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's just too much to dive into. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I jokingly made a joke about uh, the, subject matter of hellraiser and they kind of laughed and i was like no that's like actually what the movie's about like it's all about like 
body horror and like sexual fantasies and like uh, sexual realizations and stuff. And they were like stunned that that was actually what the movie was about. So they were just going to pick it because they yeah. saw the title and recognized it. So, um, but going all the way back, uh, I feel like those are the most recognizable ones for uh, like general viewers. And then once you get to like those classic horror fans, then you get into like the fly and uh, I guess scream kind of blends the both. But uh I feel like the thing is like one of those pillars of uh, hardcore horror fans. So I'm glad that you're now a part of that group officially. Right. I get because that was like the one box that I never ticked off because I was just like, I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do it. But for your birthday, I watched this movie. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like I'm trying to think if I have one that I haven't. You know what? I'll say The Omen. I've never seen The Omen. Okay. That's like a smaller one, but yeah, that's uh, I I've seen the original and the remake. You know, which okay. Wasn't, uh... <laughs> also, uh, Rosemary's Baby. I've never done that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's probably one more that I'm missing, but yeah. uh, but so the thing, uh, John Carpenter's film. John Carpenter's a director. I love him. Uh, he's definitely all over the board. Critically mixed reviews. He tends to lean more towards just making things that he wants to make and making genre films for things that he enjoys. And uh, unfortunately, this is one of the movies that when it came out, uh, it was not as big as a success that it is now. It's definitely a cult classic. Uh, it didn't make a lot back in the box office. It was up against E.T. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll kill any movie. Yep. <laughs> and uh, critically got destroyed. And uh, it really hurt John and... He was like, you know, I, it's going to be hard to make movies that I want to make now because it's vulnerable to put yourself out on that screen and think you're making yeah. a great movie and then to be literally just shit on. But That's luck- so devastating. <laughs> I know. Luckily, now it has gotten a humongous cult following. Yeah. Uh, it's highly regarded, as I said. But Liz, the point of this episode is, one, for me to gush about this movie because it's the first yeah. time we've ever truly talked about it on the podcast. I but I want your honest opinion. What did you think of your first time? I was so scared, which is good, which is what a horror movie is supposed to do. Because, like, usually with classics, I put them on, I don't feel anything, right? Because I'm like, I've seen all this before. Like, I feel nothing. Um, I jumped, I think, three or four times during this movie. Um, I felt such dread at the ending. I was so sad. Um, But... But honestly, I can see why this everybody loves this movie. I was like so scared. I'm like, oh my god, what if the hype like, what if Spencer's gonna hate me because I don't like this my movie? Fear too. <laughs> yep, no. Um, I I believe the hype. I'm I don't know if I'm gonna there. watch it again because half of the time my eyes were closed. <laughs> but <laughs> it was genuinely such a surprise and so much fun. I'm so glad that you said yeah. that and. I truly say that, yeah, it is. It's a spectacle for many senses. Oh my I mean, god! Mm-hmm. The thing that I love about this movie is, it's like its special effects are amazing, but the acting is great. The score, oh, so good. the cinematography mm-hmm. is just gorgeous, and how they frame things and the way they use lighting, and we'll get into all that later. But then, yeah, it truly has some horrific elements. There's that nihilistic kind of focus through it all and then that ending is i don't want to spoil anything it's bleak (laughs) as hell uh, but it leaves so many questions 
And yeah, I genuinely adore this movie. Besides the one scene that scared you, did you know anything about it going into it or just kind of the general premise or what? So I knew about the general premise. I knew that there was like a blood test thing at some point. Oh, yeah. Um, One of the greatest and most suspenseful sequences. I knew there was a lot of fire just because of like with the brackets that we've had. Um, (laughs) We always (laughs) talk about his flamethrower. Yes, he always has the flamethrower and everything. Um, I will say that the beginning of the movie like was throwing me off so hard. Because they were, like, chasing this dog. I'm like, oh, my God, why are they trying to kill this dog? Like, that's so mean. What's going on? And then I'm like, wait a minute. He's infected, isn't he? Like, and then I kind of got the scent. But I was, like, genuinely, like, why are they chasing this dog in a helicopter? Um, But then once I figured out kind of what was going on, everything kind of clicked into place. (laughs) I knew that Keith David was in this movie because I'm a huge Mm -hmm. Keith David fan. And damn, was he so fine yeah, like he's hunky uh, in this one. Oh my gosh he's so hunky um but also not to be out hunked right <laughs> kurt russell bro uh, one of my notes i wrote was um he there's no way he's a scientist he doesn't look like a scientist and he's then they not. said he was a, a pilot, pilot. Yeah. i was like okay <laughs> it was so fun just because i was like there's no way he's a freaking scientist so that was awesome um but yeah i really didn't know much about this movie other than there was a creature that was like could emulate somebody else which uh, that's cool to hear and we're going to go through your notes as hopefully as i ask the questions that kind of prod the answers out of you and the notes Mm -hmm. out of you but yeah it's for those of you who i mean if you don't know i'm kind of confused as to why you're listening to this but i appreciate you're listening (laughs) um it's based upon the uh, story Who Goes There by John W. Campbell. Um, there was an adaptation of it uh, in the 1950s by Howard Hawks called The Thing from Another World. And uh, ironically enough, in John Carpenter's first major motion picture, Halloween, the movie that Laurie and uh, the kids are watching is Howard Hawks' The Thing from Another World. Yeah, uh, And that fun. is before, obviously, John was attached to this. It went through many different directors, potentially. Uh, I know everybody from, like, Ridley Scott to oh, okay. John Landis, Toby Hooper. So Toby oh. Hooper was the one that was the closest. Toby Hooper made Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ridley Scott did Alien. And then John Landis uh, did American Werewolf from London, as we talked about on the pod before. But Toby Hooper... Uh, had a writing partner and he pitched an idea and the producers just didn't like it. And so they uh, tossed him aside. And then Carpenter was reluctant to join it uh, because he thought Hawks' version would just be too much. And then eventually uh, with some additions from his screenwriting crew and things that he, uh, people that he had along with him uh, made this. And um, yeah, it's, it's genuinely scary. I think that's the best part about it. It's not one of those like fun, scary movies it has moments and it's scares that are earned. One of the biggest inspirations for this was Agatha Christie novels um, and that like mystery yeah. aspect. And uh, John wanted to lean heavily into that. And you get that. And with this cast of relative, not nobodies, but no real star. Uh, Kurt was kind of the biggest now when you look back, but like it kind of also lends to the fact of like, I don't even know who's going to make it. And uh, did you feel that way watching it or? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like I've just because I know who Kurt Russell and Keith David are like, I figured that they would probably tr- like kind of make it toward the end. But yeah, a lot of these um, other actors I didn't either like know well or know of. And so it was just it was just a constant guessing game like that guy's acting weird. Like, why is he acting so weird? He's one of them, you know. And uh, not to just. Dis- 
credit any of the actors. I mean, they're all great actors and the roles they play are perfect. And they were, they went through meticulous casting to try to figure out every single person. A lot of them like changed characters throughout um, the process when John and the casting directors are trying to figure everything out. But it creates this wonderful mystery that keeps you guessing Mm -hmm. uh, and always keeps you on your toes and uh, sometimes keeps your eyes closed. Now, uh, one of the biggest reasons why this movie is so popular beyond just the horror uh, and the mystery aspect is obviously the uh, makeup effects and the gore uh, done by Rob Bottin. And also Stan Winston helped a little bit, but didn't want any credit. And so at the end of the credits, it just says, uh, thank you, Stan Winston. Um, Nice. But so once you see the first creature being the, and we're going to kind of spoil some of this movie listener. So if you haven't seen it, I mean, you can listen. It's, Again, my favorite movie of all time. I can talk about it for days on end. And uh, I'm going to let Liz answer questions once I formulate. I'm not a good... uh, I try to be a good host, but I'm not always the best question asker. I take a while to get there. So we'll let you take the reins when I finish this question of... uh, The first creature you see is uh, the dog in the kennel. Yep. Um, what was your reaction? And then, uh, I guess just give me your takes on all the, uh, creature effects and things that you saw. Yeah, no, I don't, I didn't like it because I love animals. So any type of animal getting hurt in a movie, like even slightly, I'm like, nope, I can't handle it. And I know it's fake, but it still makes me really sad. So when, uh, Clark put the dog in with the other dogs and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like all these other dogs are going to get got and I'm not ready for this. And it was so nasty, Spencer, like the tendrils, like, I don't know how they got them to whip around like that, but it was genuinely frightening and made me genuinely uncomfortable. And I did not like it. (laughs) I think it is smart that they started out with the dog because people oh, yeah. are vulnerable to pets being you know injured or hurt yeah. obviously or, or killed in movies and also in real life obviously but the fact that you have that happen right off the bat uh it kind of upsets you and so you're oh, already so mad at the thing and you're not rooting yeah. for the thing mm-hmm. and then going from there you then have this question of like, okay well we know the dogs aren't good and they're, and they're all taken out sadly at the end of that and uh it's it's a great starting off point for the movie. Oh, it's it's perfect, but it's still I don't like it. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely not ideal to yeah. see dogs get taken over. Oh, so sad. Um, hold on, I want to find the practical effects part of my notes here uh, because I actually have how they did it because you did ask Ooh. how mm-hmm. they did it. So the one great part about this, and I want to say, is that when they were designing the thing, Botine said that the creature, and in the like the notes of the movie, was that it had been all over the galaxy. Uh, so this that's why every creature can look so uniquely different with tendrils and teeth and uh, giant mouths and spider legs and things. Yeah. Because it's basically anything your mind could think of because the galaxy has allowed this to exist. Stan Winston came in to help with this dog, uh, and it was actually a raised set. Uh, So they were underneath uh, with puppeteers working below, and they would, like, use the tendrils and move them around and then, like, whip them back out, and then they just play it in reverse. Um, Oh, cool. Yeah, and so – but, yeah, Botine 
used everything from uh, mayonnaise, cream corn, KY jelly, oh. uh, Jello is a really important part of the movie. And uh, yeah, some of his monsters that he made were deemed too gross for the movie. So we got the technically toned what? down stuff. And uh, a really important part about this movie was that John Carpenter said that he did not want a movie monster in a suit. He didn't yeah. want a guy inside of it. He wanted a science fiction movie where you looked at it and said, what the hell am I looking at? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's awesome. what they got. Yeah. And so yeah. beyond just the dogs, though, there's obviously some more things that you see. The one scene that I remember as a child was is like... It the ch- is it the chest? It isn't the chest. That scared oh, the shit out of me, Spencer. So I couldn't believe it. Like, the, you know, he's doing the chest compressions, and then all of a sudden his hands go through the guy because all the teeth come out. And I literally was like, oh! I, like, yelled because I was not expecting that at all. It was nuts. <laughs> I just... It's... That was... What a what a lovely treat, right? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Well, then I'm very glad that that was, that was actually yes. my guess. But so then what was the one that you've ever seen? It was, like, the one... Um, it was like higher up. It was like really big, but it wasn't the one near the end of the movie. Are you referring uh, to when uh the the one after um the blood test? I believe so. Yeah. When he's on mm-hmm. the ceiling and he comes down and he eats windows. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. So oh my gosh, which thing is dude? Isn't oh my god that part with windows? Because I was like, yo, windows vibing. I really like him. Poor windows. And then Rip. poor Witten gets his face eaten and just like tossed around. That was crazy yeah oh my uh, goodness my, one of my all-time favorite lines is uh windows blast him and then, oh uh, my god now a palmer thing is the one that's on the ceiling uh palmer okay. is the one that's shaking on the chair and it yeah uh it makes oh my gosh yeah, yeah. but gary has one of the greatest lines of all time where he says uh if you guys aren't too busy i'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch oh my god so good yeah, yeah that's so good yeah so great and then uh preceded by uh um child screaming cut me loose damn it get me yeah it's so good <laughs> yeah but 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 it's so it's so good and funny but then also when you think about it like these no, people terrifying. just witnessed the person that's been sitting next to them all night wasn't alive uh, or was mm-hmm. alive but it was a completely different creature and uh murdered their friend right in front of them and they still have to go through the process to make sure that they aren't um yeah, yeah it's horrifying so uh, then we, I guess we have to just get right to it. So, is the was that the biggest jump that you had? Was the uh, the chess scene? Yeah. So the chess scene was the biggest jump. I did also jump when he was doing the blood test and put the hot like uh, wire in there, and it, it came screeches. up. Yeah, it screeches, and then he like jumps and throws the uh, the little testing tray. That also got me. That jumped. I jumped so bad. Which it's good because they're, again they're not. It's not jump scare heavy, mm-hmm. but it's just enough to where it uh, gets you kind of on the edge of your seat. And then what happens, yeah. it gets you to jump. Like that no, scene super good. is mm-hmm. uh, preceded by just, yeah, all the blood tests failing. So you don't even know if the test works. Exactly. And then like because so many people have failed, it's just kind of like you're sitting there waiting for something to happen. And then it goes on long enough where you're not going to expect it. And then it happens. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so that's I think again the pacing of this movie is great. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Norris's uh, chest he d- has the saddest death oh technically because he's already dead, but it's the heart attack. Uh, yeah, but so that though 
was a practical effect. And do you know how they made the chest eat that person's arms? Because that actually did happen. That's so cool. So they had a stunt performer who had uh, was a double amputee. What? No way. And they put fake arms, uh, like uh, gel bones, and then jello uh, (gasps) in there, and then the noise the no the sound design of this is amazing but like if you listen to it, it's like like gloopy and gloppy and it rips his arms yeah, off oh. and he screams and then all the tendrils pop out uh yeah so that is a uh practical effect all done practically again rob botine who uh literally got uh i think he got like a pneumonia from working on this because he worked so hard didn't sleep Aww. and tried so hard to continue he was like 21 years old he was so young um but uh, yeah, it's uh, a, a work of art. But then uh, I guess we'll dive forward in there. Uh, we have a couple other important things that we see. Hot things. Yeah, pun intended. Uh, <laughs> so we do see uh, Benning's thing before, which is the what, – what I think is probably the, one of the most scariest is when you see him transforming and his hands are all like tentacled and then they burn him alive outside. And oh, he yeah, makes and the he screech. makes the sound. Oh, my gosh, Spencer, that was so gross. Like that was – you know, for all we're talking about, like, jumpstairs, it's so, um, like, the ambiance and, like, the the dread that you feel because this guy was normal just a little bit ago, but then, like, he can't even talk, like, and this, oh, man, that was so eerie. That was yeah. so good. Uh, another one of, like, seeing someone who we saw alive and then immediately transforms, you see Wilford Brimley's character mm-hmm. um, and his death, uh, Blair who sneaks up and is the final uh, antagonist for the group where he leaves uh, Mac all alone by killing Nalls and Gary when they're setting yeah. up all the dynamite. Uh, did you forget about Blair? So Blair was the scientist that was in the... He was the one locked in the shack. Wilford Brimley's the yes. gentleman with the big mustache. Yeah. Did, did you forget about Blair? So I did jump when he came up behind him. But I yeah. did not forget about him because he did escape at one point. But, um, yeah, no, I did jump when he came up from behind him. I was like, oh, my God. And that's actually a, a grossing way. It's like his hand fuses with Gary's mouth. And oh, that was ugh. so nasty. Oh, yeah. that was so, that was cool how they did that. That was awesome. Yeah. The only one that makes me sad is that we don't get to see what happens to Nalls. Um, yeah. That is kind yeah. of left ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, Wilford Bimley was specifically cast because he, and this is one of his first roles, or like his, uh, mm-hmm. he wasn't really doing a lot of big points. Now he was kind of more of an unknown uh, because John Carpenter wanted a guy that you would just, he looked like the everyman. And so you wouldn't really think twice about yeah. him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has uh, a really dark comedy scene where they go outside and he says, I'm ready to come back inside now. And next to him is a noose. I did. I noticed that. I'm like, oh my God, is he going to like hang himself like what is up with that yeah that was so that was intense so i wonder i'm gonna give you a reading of this scene uh-huh. and i'm gonna see if you feel the same way do you think it was uh just him trying to make a statement being like like if you guys don't Ooh. get me out of here i'm going to like whatever or do you think it was him and sound mind making that saying i'm gonna kill myself before the thing gets me yeah. Because I already feel that it's gotten to be similarly uh, to uh, Fuchs, who kills himself yeah. uh, by lighting himself on fire. And before he could kill himself, the thing takes over. 
Oh my gosh, that's a good point. I could see it being like either or. So that's the beauty of this movie is that there are so many moments in the film. um, And I'm going to ask your uh, thoughts on the the ending at the end to see what you think happens. Yeah. Um, Because sadly, I will say there is a (laughs) definitive answer. Um, is there yes and it's because of the prequel that came out in 2011 it spills everything okay it's a it's a bummer um (sighs) but yeah so there are a couple different parts of the movie where it kind of leaves things ambiguous like who destroyed the blood samples when at what point was blair the thing what happens at the end you kind of go through these questions um but i guess is there any points that you could think of throughout the movie that you want to specifically bring up or things that you saw that you really felt like stood out to you or moments or things that you took notes on i um when they were walking like through the norwegian camp and everything um i thought the set was really cool and i was like oh this would be like a great like halloween horror nights house because they this year they just had or last year they had the uh like a frozen winter lake town yeah and i was like oh they could definitely like replicate this for like a haunted house and it would probably be the scariest thing ever (laughs) so let me tell you they have oh really okay they had it at halloween horror nights and uh yes it's a bummer that i was not able to go but uh yes it uh came out and so i believe a lot of that stuff that you see is leftover set from the uh halloween one the the thing sets they did in the past at halloween horror nights cool which That's is cool awesome. but yeah mm-hmm. that sequence is fan that adds more to the mystery aspect where yeah, you have I, kurt yeah uh, and the gang kind of not the gang, but a couple people just going through and uh just seeing everything um and uh kind of trying to and then they find obviously the thing itself frozen uh and that horrific monster Oh, and the fact that they bring it back and they do they do the autopsy on that one, right? And yeah, I mean, you'd have it's to. It's just peeling you... back layers and then you just keep seeing faces in it and it's so gross. And that's, I think, again, this movie beautifully paces itself where the music itself done by Neil Morricone, we haven't even mentioned him yet. It's perfect because it just, even with the first baseline notes that like, bum, bum, it just mm-hmm. sets the tone that something's eerie right off the bat and ominous and... There's really not any like songs that truly stand out on this score, but everything just perfectly uh, fills the void of the background like of noise uh, and it leads you uh, to feel things and feel that dread just at, as the characters themselves feel it. Yeah, because they're one by one, they're like, dying and so you get less and less people the further into the movie and it's just you keep are like come on like some of you have to survive right yeah. like you got to do this um there's the one scene that also wasn't it blair that was like destroying he all of their the, communications uh, yep. oh i love that scene so much but i'm also like if you would have just said like hey guys we have to stop this thing. like he could have done it not so chaotically because then they're like oh he's the thing obviously he's trying to cut off uh, communication to the outside world so that we can so that it can survive um you well, know what i'm saying or it's the vice versa where i mean yeah. so he's having a panic attack breakdown mm-hmm. and having uh oh he's definitely having a breakdown and mm-hmm. 
he is after he runs the test that says like after it gets to the world like, oh i love that that like him pu- inputting it into the computer i, like I it's do just, that's one uh, part i have like a it's cool but i i <laughs> yeah. always like how do you have a computer that can just like be like calculating uh right po- yeah overpopulation of alien life form like you wouldn't know that um but that is him like his only way of being like there's no way we can escape like mm-hmm. if we escape, it'll escape, and yeah. uh, that's actually part of the story. Um, the original who goes there, the ending. Uh, birds fly towards the mainland, and like they're so traumatized, they think that the birds are infected and going to affect the world. So like oh that's gosh. where the isolation of where they're at and having nothing be be able to leave. Um, that's maybe where Blair goes. Like, all right, if, there's no sense calling people in because we don't want it to escape. Yeah. Uh, but it's also, yeah, a panicked move and it's a bad move, but it also just really blends in and uh, plays into the overarching feeling of you can't trust anyone and no one is who yeah. they seem. Um, did you throughout the movie have points where you were like speculating uh who was the thing and who wasn't a thing oh for sure like uh i definitely thought that clark was infected and during the blood test when they said that he wasn't i was like damn like i kind of feel a little bad but he was acting wackadoo and he was with the dogs like all the time so i'm like he has to be but i think again that's the fun part of the movie is that like he's one of those ones where you think he immediately is and again Mm -hmm. another beautiful subversion is that they test and you go no and so now you're like what is the reality like what do you believe yeah he was all around those dogs he's Mm -hmm. acting strange how would he not be it uh and there it's just excellent screenwriting uh and the acting uh, of it as well i think um i really like you were talking about earlier with the cinematography and just the lighting of this movie and all of the explosions and fire that they used like everything was really clear to see and even when like the thing was hiding in the shadow, it was just like you could see its massive shape. Like I don't know, I just really like the lighting, especially when they were using like the flares and they were outside in the snow. So it was like the red and blue contrast, I think was really beautiful. That honestly is uh one of the big reasons why I think this movie ages so well. Yeah. Uh one, Dean Cundy, who shot the film, um, he is uh, basically John Carpenter's right hand man, cinematographer, genius absolute genius and like even from the beginning when you mentioned like the dogs going across that winter landscape oh it's beautiful uh, it's gorgeous it's it's Mm -hmm. wonderful um just uh openscape shots that are just showing you how truly isolated they are and you are really getting um why can't i think of the term i'm trying to think of um but it's oh establishing shots it's establishing where they're actually at and uh, in the middle of nowhere and then yeah the lighting it was done for a purpose they specifically did it where it would mask the flaws in any of the effects so that it would look realistic enough with the shadow that was cast on. And they literally would find the best place to have the light and then they would not move it. Yeah. And so you would get like, that's the perfect shot for the dog creature. And like, that's why it's so much in shadow and it masks all the imperfections. Cause I think a lot of times and you can attest to this being a horror movie fan, mm-hmm. um, Sometimes you can see where the magic dies, where it's like the movie magic ends because you're like, oh, I can kind of see a seam there. I can kind of see it's a person's hand or like it takes away once you can find the trick. And I think like you said, how do they do it? The beauty of this is that using light to also play with that and be like, yeah, yeah, we're going to make it so you can't see it. Um, but then also those like blue hues and then when the red stands out of the flares and the fire, uh, it's it's just, yeah, it's a really pretty movie. 
it's, I'm a it's big pretty. fan. <laughs> big fan. Um, yeah. Did you have a favorite part of the film that you can think of? Oh, my favorite part. Um, probably Kurt Russell's hat. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is crazy a hat. hat, dude. He was just so like I don't want to, you know what a wonderful film it is. But God, he was just so hot throughout this whole thing. I'm just like looking at him. I'm like, man. It's also the like, power that he has. You're like, yes. okay, all right. Like, oh man, and he's just flying that airplane. Um, but in all seriousness, a favorite part. I think the blood test scene was really solid. Um, I do like the scene where. Was it uh, Bennings is the one that was first, like he had the claw hand things yeah, and then he's was like out. screeching in the snow yeah. and then they like literally have to burn their friend That's alive. That's one of my favorite sequences oh, in the film. so good. Oh, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Were there any lines that stood out to you? Uh, the one that like has been repeated in like other media that I knew about was like the, you gotta be fucking kidding when like the little head <laughs> is like oh, yeah. crawling away with the spider legs. And again, it's so gross it's so nasty yeah because his head like detaches from the body and like you see like everything like the stretching of the neck to then when it plops down right yeah and then you see yeah uh, the the, uh little crab legs come out Mm -hmm. and our spider legs come out and it just scuttles away and yeah they're like you'll be fucking kidding me yeah so Um, good speaking of the word fuck my favorite line of the movie is or one of my favorite lines of the movie is right at the end we finally see uh the uh blair thing in full horrific form uh and he's already laid all the dynamite out uh kurt russell's character mac has one more pack of dynamite and he just says yeah well fuck you too and then oh that's so good yeah and then you (laughs) and then i love that you go out we get a wide shot of the camp and then we just see the biggest explosion possible and uh, it truly uh, feels like the penultimate moment of this movie. And then we get to uh, one of the most iconic endings in horror movie history. And I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, okay. Mac runs over and sees the burning camp. He is obviously left out in the cold. And Childs returns from wherever Yay. he was. And uh, we see that uh, Mac has one of his trusty bottles of liquor hands it over to Childs. Childs makes an excuse as to why he was gone, takes a sip. Uh, Mac laughs, and we roll the credits. Now, there are a couple different readings of this scene. Okay. Because I have a a theory. I was going to ask you, I will go through after you say your theory, what all the theories are, or both. There's technically both theories. Uh, Okay. What is your theory about this? Okay, so... Obviously, it's really sad that they both, like, die and they're like, oh, we'll just, like, freeze here to death. Horrible, right? I think that um, Kurt Russell has some of the thing in him because he didn't take any of that alcohol and Childs did. And I don't know if that's, like, a reading that people see or not, but that's how I felt. And I was kind of like, damn, like, he's got him and they're going to freeze there and then they're going to come for their bodies and then the thing is going to be taken away. Um, once they come to like retrieve the bodies and stuff, because they're going to be like frozen oh, to death. So your your thought is that mm-hmm. Kurt is or Mac is the thing. Yes, because he didn't take it. I didn't take, see him take a swig of that alcohol. At least I don't remember. So there is another reason as to why Mac potentially doesn't take a swig of the alcohol. Okay. So do you remember what they were using those bottles for? Oh, to light uh, shit on fire. So yes. it was. Oh, so, oh my God! No fucking way! No way! So he. Oh no! 
So Childs has the thing because he took a drink of the stuff. No way. But that is a potential reading. Oh, shit. That's so cool. So what Liz is uh, exclaiming over here, which I love that you're thinking this the first time, is that they were using gasoline in those bottles to make Molotov cocktails. So when Mac hands the bottle to Childs, if he he was a human, right, if he was a human, he'd spit it out immediately and go, oh, that's gross. But a thing would not know the difference. And so that's why Mac laughs. And then we fade to black because we don't know. But the other reading is Mm -hmm. that uh, it is actually liquor. He pans the bottle to Childs. They both laugh knowing that they're screwed. And Uh then we fade to black. Unfortunately, we do have a answer. Because another another question is, um, another reason why people think Childs is the thing is... Because you can't see his breath. Oh, shit. So you see oh. Mac's breath uh, uh-huh. perfectly, but you cannot yeah. see Child's. Um, but in the 2011 uh, prequel to The Thing, uh, the cool thing that that movie does is it, it, it shows you everything that happens from the Norwegian camp. Everything oh, cool. that you okay. see. And, and it literally ends with... The Norwegians getting in a helicopter and chasing after a dog. Oh, and then nice. you That's hear cool. you hear the opening notes going bum bum, and then it's credits. And it's a really cool the only problem is that they made all their stuff practical and then they use CG instead. So the movie looks uh, terrible. But what we find out in the 2011 remake is that the thing can assimilate all human life form matter, except it cannot replicate metal objects and in child's ear there's uh-huh. an earring so child's has an <laughs> earring uh-huh and the thing would not be able to replicate that okay so child's is a human okay cool so like they're both like they're both cool humans. then okay which i huh. don't like because i like the anonymity of yeah and the nihilistic ending of like we don't know how it ends and we may never know and mm-hmm. there were a couple different endings that were written for the movie um, because oh, they, were, tell me. <laughs> they were like, we shouldn't make this end so horribly and like nihilistic yeah. and sad. And John was like, fuck you. <laughs> like, I'm going to make <laughs> I do what movie. I want. <laughs> I mean, he literally is the director who's like, I'm going to make what I want to make, and, yeah. uh, which is great. The first ending was that Childs and Mac are both things. They Ooh. freeze to death themselves, and then a helicopter comes, and they say, I think the line is like, what's for dinner, boys? And then they eat them, and that's the end of the movie. So it's a cheesy, oh, like, horror yeah. ending. Uh, the other ending is uh, that uh, Max survives triumphantly and makes it, and uh, that's, like, it's a happy ending where he, oh, like, gets yeah. away. Uh, but then, yeah, that, they settle for the middle ground where it's, like, the, the ambiguity uh, mm-hmm. I said anonymity, but the ambiguity of um, the potential uh, fate of our two heroes, quote unquote, um, is left unknown. Uh, they settle with that. And I think that's the best ending because I think it adds yeah. to the just the true dread and horror of that. Like, yeah, no matter what happens. And even Max says it like we're not leaving this camp. Yeah. Like, oh, that's so sad. It sucks, but it's the ultimate sacrifice mm-hmm. of, like, if we leave this camp, it leaves this camp. So yeah. we have to make sure that come hell or high water, that thing is not leaving this camp. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So how do you feel knowing all that information now? Man, that's so cool. 
Oh man, that's so that's so cool. Um, I'm gonna ignore the 2011 thing, right? Um, just because like it's like if <sighs> this thing can replicate almost any thing that it's seen in the universe, but it can't do metal, like yeah, again, ex- maybe because eh, they explain eh. a little bit. There is a really funny line where they're checking everybody's teeth because they would have yeah. fillings. Oh. And one of the guy goes, he goes, I'm about to die because I brush my teeth and floss. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but there it's, it's a bummer. Um, it's, I'm never going to complain to get more thing uh, like stuff. I just don't like that. They added everything and then they took away that one part in a sense, which mm-hmm. it kind of feels. Um, yeah. Mad. But um. Yeah, so I guess uh, from here, we've, we've talked about 45 minutes. Um, I'd like to kind of just do a couple more points, I guess, and then anything else you had to sure. say, then we can wrap this thing up. Uh, yeah, thoughts on Kurt Russell's performance and uh, Keith Davis' performance. Obviously, our two quote-unquote leads. Yeah, I thought they were bitching. I, <laughs> I genuinely I, – they just have such a, a coolness to them and – you could really feel like the fear and everything. Like when um, Kurt Russell was like holding the dynamite and he's like, I'll blow everybody up. Like stay away from me. Like we're all going to test everybody. Like he like, you know, was losing it and I, I could feel that. So I thought he did an amazing job. And obviously Keith David is Keith David. <laughs> so of course he was amazing. Well, this is one of his first roles. He had just, which is from... nuts. Yeah. It's nuts to me. It was actually going to go to a couple different people. Potentially. I think Isaac Hayes was one of the ones that was like almost going to uh-huh. get this. Okay. And then yeah, Keith came in and Carpenter was like, I like that guy. And yeah. he was a theater actor. So we kind of had like, he subdued his performance because a lot was... of that's nuts that you say that he was like in theater. Cause like, I feel like he was, like you said, very subdued, like very realistic. And, but that was a choice by him because he was like, if I overact and like do like theater performances, mm-hmm. it's going to make this feel cheesy. I have to make this yeah. feel real. So he kind of – and you can kind of see when he's just sitting back stoically looking. You can get all the emotions that he's thinking in those shots. Yeah. You don't need to be like, hmm, or like, hmm, or like using weird emotions and emotes and movements. He is really choice with his uh, – both dialogue and the way he says it and then also with the way he performs and i think Mm -hmm. that really blends with the panic that from the other actors and then also paired with kurt's like same style but obviously instead of being an antagonistic way it's a protagonistic uh viewing yes child is kind of seen as like the uh the yang to his yin in a sense Mm -hmm. yin so yeah i thought they both did great and then i would say i really liked i think palmer was his name he was like oh yeah conspiracy theories like they came from the sky i really (laughs) i really liked him a lot Um, Uh, and he has one of the uh (laughs) saddest deaths from it but yeah he's all true he's 100 percent right and I, i you mentioned this earlier too which is cool because um you said like you didn't believe that mccready was a uh a scientist Mm-hmm. I like that everybody in their roles. It just makes sense. For sure. Yeah. Like Windows is like the, yeah. which is funny that his name is Windows and he's like kind of like the tech guy that's like trying to like communicate. And yeah, I thought that was funny. Do you know the I know reason there's no why correlate. His... I no. actually don't. It's because he wore, his name was not Windows originally. I think it was like Sanchez or like Rodriguez, okay. something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was Windows because he came on set 
wearing those uh, black Ray-Ban the shades. shades. Yeah. When he was sitting there with the shades on, I'm like, wow, that is such a vibe. That's mm-hmm. what I want to be. Like, that's so cool. And so that's where the nickname came from, where it's like, oh, he's got windows on. I love on. that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's but yeah, everybody cool. kind of fits. Uh, I mean, yeah, Brimley being the biologist, Nalls in the kitchen, kind of just a younger guy oh, there. Oh, he was so fun. I feel so bad, because he was just, like, trying to have a good time listening to his tunes. Superstition you know? is a jam. Yes. Oh, so good. He's like, yeah, I'll, t- I'll turn it down. And then he yeah. just didn't do it. No. That's so good. Yeah. It, it's The whole group just makes sense. And originally in the story, I think it was like 37 people, but they wrote it down to oh, be 12. Shit. Right. And he's, yeah. Because they were like, that's, that's a too lot. Many. Right. That floods mm-hmm. the set. Um, is there anything you would like to say or anything else you want to add or things that you thought about before we kind of wrap this thing up? I just want to say thanks for making me watch it because my, you know, scaredy cat butt wasn't going to watch this unless somebody forced me to. So... I appreciate it. <laughs> I am sad that we didn't get to watch it together. Uh, yeah. But that's okay. I feel like this is kind of fun to be able to talk about still. And I still mm-hmm. uh, was able to share with you. And you'll watch it again because I'll make you watch it again now knowing what Wonderful. you know. I w- no, what's... I will just close my eyes during the dog scenes and we'll be okay. <laughs> I th- Danielle does the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I will say what's kind of cool is that now that you've seen it once, you, when you watch it more and more, you'll start to see little things that get picked up. You'll start yeah. to see uh, – you'll be able to pay attention to the creature designs and be able to see character movements and thoughts and stuff. And uh, it's it's cool to slowly di- – I love watching movies over again. I know you do too and like dissecting things oh, yeah. and seeing something mm-hmm. different. And when there's a movie that's layered like this – um you're kind of like oh i didn't see that the last time so like now you'll be able to look and see uh child's not having his breath and then thinking about those things and... that's so cool man yeah. i can't believe i didn't like pick that. up on that i was just sad i was like man they're gonna die this sucks it is a very <laughs> ominous and sad ending um, yeah but this ending of this podcast will not be Yep. And uh, (laughs) kind of inspiring myself off of this episode, I told Liz beforehand that, uh, one, she's already called dibs on ranking the Scream franchise from worst to best this spooky season. You also will obviously get your per usual um, spooky season movie of choice. Perfect. uh, And then, obviously, again, you will get your birthday episode of choice. So uh, you have a lot of time, but you'll be on again. I think the next time you're going to be on is going to be our direct-to-audio movie awards. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of great movies from last year. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of – we should have like a best horror category. Oh, I already thought about that. So we can toss that in. Yay. Um, There are so many good ones. It honestly – uh is one of the best years for horror that i can remember yeah uh it's so good and we're gonna look back on it with uh some fond eyes so yeah we can add that on there thank you for having me on i had so much fun talking about this movie i'm so glad you came on as it's my birthday i want to talk about my favorite movie and there was no one better to share that with uh than you um thank you i appreciate you and i look forward to hearing from you soon Yes, happy early birthday. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. I'm feeling older already, and uh, (laughs) that's good and or bad. Uh, But, listener, thank you so much. Uh, Please watch the thing for myself and for my birthday. Your gift to me can be sharing this podcast, sharing your favorite episode of the podcast that you've had in the past. Yeah, well, you know what? I am going to say this. Let me see if I can find something. Because it's not fair that my listener or my uh guests have to do a monologue 
from the movie. Oh my god. No way, is this happening? Are you doing a thing monologue? I gotta find... Yes! Let's go! (laughs) Okay, so... Do you want me to do... I was debating on doing the blood test scene. Ooh. Um... But I can't think of other. I guess the other monologue would just be me. No, that's pretty much the only monologue is just McCready saying the blood test scene. So I'm not going to give you the choice. I guess let's do that. So oh, perfect. All right, and then we'll end <laughs> it. So, so listener, good. thanks so much for your time. Um, but here we go. All right. <clears throat> I know I'm human, and if you were all these things, then you just attack me right now. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside of an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in this open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies, nobody left to kill, and then it's won. There you go. Oh my gosh, that was so good. I love Thank it. Thank you. Listener, <laughs> as always, the drill. Watch the movies I was talking about, and uh, <laughs> be kind, and please rewind. Intro song from YouTube Audio Library by DJ Williams. Recordings done on Clean Feed. Podcast distributed by Anchor. Original logo created by friend of the pod, David. Current logo created by friend of the pod, Liz. Purring by Storm.